friends, welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I'm your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. So happy to be back with you guys for another episode. The music that you're hearing is from my friend Ryan Allwart. If you have not checked out his music, please make sure that you do so. This week, we've got another photographer on the show, and I'm super excited about this episode. We often wonder what it would be like to hang out with some of our favorite artists, and my guest this week has gotten to do just that, so we get to live a little vicariously through him. Jordan Connor is an incredibly talented photographer who, in his young career, has already impressed people so much that some of the biggest artists have asked him to shoot photos of their tours. His portfolio includes tour photos of Ben Rector, Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors, Johnny Swim, Phil Wickham, the band Camino, Crowder, and so much more. Pretty much if they're on my Spotify playlist, Jordan has shot photos of their shows. We talked about how he got his start in photography, how he got hooked up with some of the biggest artists around, and what it's been like to tour the country with a camera in hand. We talked about what these artists are like off stage, and it was great to hear that they're all pretty much genuinely good people. Jordan also sells products featuring the phrase, tell your story. As he explains on the shop's website, every person in the world has a story to tell. I've made these products as a reminder not to be afraid to talk to new people and treat everyone with kindness because you don't know what their story is in life. Always tell your story. I love that, and I love his mission behind it. It was really cool to talk to Jordan and learn about his career and who he is as a person. So I really enjoyed this conversation, and I hope you guys do too. Here is my friend, Jordan Connor. All right. Well, Jordan, thanks for joining the show. Uh, I've been really excited to talk to you because I kind of get to live vicariously through you a little bit because you have shot photos for so many of my favorite artists like Ben Rector, Drew Holcomb, Phil Wickham, the Bank Amino, David Crowder, the list goes on. Um, just, I guess kind of the first question is how did you get hooked up with these artists? So where you've been able to shoot their tours and their concerts and stuff like that? Yeah. So um, the way that I started um, I got a camera, I'd say it's been close to three years ago now, um, and whenever I got it, you know, typically whenever people get a camera, you know, they start taking pictures of, like, their friends and stuff, and they go hiking, or, you know, just, like, everyday things, and one of my friends from school, I went to North Greenville University, um, and one of my friends hosted a uh, worship night, and um, so I went there. It was like the week after, a few weeks after I got my camera. And um, I was just like, hey, I'm going to bring my camera. Can I take photos? And he's like, yeah, sure. Um, and so I remember taking photos. And like, as soon as like the the drums started like just beating, I was just like, oh, I really like this. And so <laughs> um, like I look back now and see the pictures then. And I thought they were really good back then. And now I'm just like, okay, I was terrible. Like, <laughs> I was really, really bad. Um, but that's kind of where that love for um, specifically music photography. I love like anything, nature. Um, I've done a few engagements for some of my friends. Um, I did, I've done one wedding. Um, it was for a family member, but I wasn't the primary photographer. So I've done a little bit of like everything, I guess. Um, but my love for music started then. Um, and I remember I was sitting in class. Um, I think I was a junior. I was a junior in college, and I was sitting in class, and I was just like, uh, I really want to, like, do a tour or something like that. So I started, I would send, like, 50 to, like, 100 emails every single day to different people. And, um, like, 
just because I was like, that was all my mind was like thinking about while I was sitting in class. And um, I got a message back from two bands. Um, one was Thinks It's Real. Yeah. Um, and they were just, they didn't want me to do a tour or anything. Um, they were just asking me, they were like, hey, we really like your stuff. Um, and they were coming out with a new album. So they were trying to look up some album artwork sort of deal. And yeah. so um, I, I didn't really like work with them, but I did a, I did like a mock-up for them. Um, but then the Sidewalk Profits, um, I talked to their manager, Ben, um, Ben McDonald. Uh, he's a good friend of mine now. Um, he was like, hey, we can you talk on the phone this time? And I was like, sure. So I literally got out of class, called him on the phone, and he was like, you know, we talked for a minute, and he was like, hey, um, you know, we'd like to have you out in May. And it was like the week after I finished school. Um, wow. My, my junior year. So I did that. Um, I worked with them for basically that whole entire summer. Um, with the exception of one month, I went to California for a thing called the Circuit Riders um, called 21 Project. It's a discipleship training with media. Um, so I basically worked with them the whole entire summer. <clears throat> and then from there, um, I remember there was somebody who used to work for the sidewalk profits who um, was talked about a lot on the bus. Like he's like working with Ben now doing all this, like Ben Rector. Um, and so I was like, you know, like I really like his music. Why not? So um, I reached out to um, Ben's uh, management team and um, they got back to me. It was like, Hey, um, Ben's seen your stuff. And, you know, he likes it. He likes you to come out. And I had like, listed a few dates that I could come and um so the first show I did with him was he did three uh sold out nights at the Ryman yeah and that was my first time I ever shot for him I was probably at one of those concerts (laughs) really (laughs) we've seen him at the Ryman several times we've seen him probably at least five times my wife and I have so yeah not to interrupt you yeah we were probably at one of those concerts that's pretty cool yeah it was yeah so go I didn't I didn't really know much about the Ryman then. Um, I just knew it was like a, you know, a big place to go in Nashville. Um, and since I had never really been to Nashville other than work with the sidewalk profits. And even then it was like, I would drive in, get on the bus at like 12, one o'clock in the morning and then leave, come back, get in my car and drive home. So I never really explored Nashville that much. Um, and so I got to go there and I stayed with a good friend of mine. Um, and, you know, I had a little bit of time off before the night two and then night three. And I just remember like, like by the third night, I had done some research on the Ryman and realized how like historic it was and who's been there, like what it is. And I was just like, wow. Like, <laughs> I remember that third night, I was just so nervous. The first night I was nervous because I hadn't met any of them. And I remember the first time I ever saw Ben, um, I came in the back door in the Ryman and uh, one of his agents, like, let me into this little, like, room where they had some, like, food and stuff. And I was, like, sitting there, and they're like, hey, uh, Ben wants to talk to you now. So they brought me out, um, and Ben was on the drum set. Um, and that was, like, the first time that I saw him. And I was like, oh, he seems pretty chill. Um, so we talked a little bit about the set, like, where lights are, different things like that. And um, so it went really well. Um, the first night I was definitely nervous, um, but as it started to go along, I got like in my zone and I was like really comfortable. Um, so that's kind of how that started to form. Um, and then 
I remember the third night I was like, I was just so nervous because I had done research on it and I was just like, okay, I do not like, I feel like I don't deserve to be here right now um, in this <laughs> position, but you know, I'm just going to roll with it. Um, and so I did it, did all three nights and then um, he ended up in like enjoy enjoying having me around and everybody else in the band I became good friends with. Um, like Jared is the, uh, was the drummer, Kevin, um, bass player. Um, and then, uh, Caleb Fisher did the, uh, guitar teching. Um, and there's a, there were a lot of like really cool people that I met. Andy Sheridan, he worked with a lot of people. Um, he became one of my good friends too. I still, I still talk to everybody a decent amount. Um, and everybody was just like so cool to work with. Uh, there's a guy named Jay and then Thomas Doolin, um, and then the tour manager, his name's Jordan as well. Um, and I became decent friends with uh, Jordan. And then like, as the, as time went on, me and Jordan became pretty good friends. Um, and I just like, whenever I went in there, my mindset is always to like, to learn as much as possible from everybody. Um, because at the end of the day, they've all had way more experience than me. And so you can learn something from every single person there. Um, even if it's not, they're not a photographer. You can just learn about people, how to deal with people in the music industry, the industry in general, um, and just like how they treat other people, uh, like the way that Ben treated people if there were problems. Um, and I just learned a lot from every single person there. Um, and then from there, uh, so the guitarist for um, who played, or the guy who played guitar for Ben, um, uh, Nate Duggar, was also, he's also the guitarist. And for Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors, um, yep. and he's not just a guitarist. He he's like a genius. He uh, he's like a it. he's like a musician genius. Yeah, we yeah. Just, I think of all the artists that I've seen, he because he's been such a part of Drew Holcomb and Ben Rector's shows. I think I've seen Nate Duggar more than I've seen any artist because of the combined shows that I've seen <laughs> Drew Holcomb and Ben Rector, and he's been with both yeah. of them. And my wife and I always joke. I'm like Nate Duggar's gotta be the like the most underrated artist in Nashville because he's so talented. So it's funny that you mentioned him because we yeah. Like we noticed, like he's super, super good, and mm -hmm. it's cool that you got to meet him too because he's awesome. So again, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but yeah, we're, we're oh, huge Nate Duggar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a really cool, cool guy, and um, you know, as as time goes on, most of most of the people that I've worked with have you know been touring or done shows uh, here and there for years, and so they don't like a lot of people don't see the cities as I saw them then because that was my first time going to all these cities and stuff. And so I would want to, like, get out and explore the city. And, and then most of them would just kind of want to, like, go work out and kind of have some downtime before they have to, you know, go all out that night. And um, But me and Duggar got pretty close. Um, and then our, it was, like, the last night we are in um, Omaha. Or, yeah, the last show was in Omaha. Um, and me and Duggar were talking, and he was like, hey, like, I'm in this band uh, called Drew Hope and the Neighbors. I was like, oh, like. I know them. I did not even know you were in that band. Um, and so, like, we started talking, and then, like, as, like, the next few months went on, um, he had, you know, told Drew about me, and then um, and Drew reached out over email, um, and so we started talking over the few months leading up to the tour, and we um, finally, like, came to the decision that I was going to come out for the tour. Um, I did 28 shows, which was the longest that I had ever been out on the road before. Um, wow. And so I got to uh, you know, work with uh, Drew Hulk and the Neighbors. Um, 
and every single one of those guys are genuine dudes. Um, I, I loved working with every single one of those guys as well. I learned a lot. Um, whenever I was at Ben, uh, the Bank Camino was opening for him. The yep, I was at that show. Yep, I, that, that's yeah. where I learned about the Bank Camino was – well, just before that show, and then we saw them open up. We, yeah, so that's I was at that show too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're they're cool guys. I didn't really I didn't know them like super well at first, um, but then as shows went on, they opened every show. You know, started talking to them here and there, and um, and so I got to know them decently well. Um, and then they did their first headlining show uh, or headlining tour uh, for the love of the game. Um, and so I went out and I did two or three of those shows and hung out with them, got to know them a little bit. Um, and I love all those guys. Um, they're, they're all very genuine, um, loving dudes who love what they do and care about all of their fans. Um, yep. I worked with them. And then Josie Dunn opened for Ben's part two of his tour. And so I got to know her and her team really well. Um, and then like over the years, I've, I have friends who work with different people. So I've, you know, shot shows here and there. Whenever I was at school, Phil Wickham came and um, I got to do a show with him. So I got to hang out with him. And then one of his manager came and um, they're super nice guys. Um, and then Crowder was, uh, I did a show one time that he was at um, and got to take pictures and, for him. And then uh, his, there, there's a guy who, um, does, I don't know his specific title, but he does uh, social media for a lot of um, musicians and other things like that. Uh, his name's Kyle, and um, he he is one of the guys who, or maybe the only guy who runs Crowder's social media. Um, and so I got to know him and build a relationship with him through that. Um, and I've just met a lot of guys. I've been really blessed. Um, got to see growing up, uh, like I live with my grandmother um growing up and since I was like five um and so I didn't really get to see a lot of the United States yeah um and so like this past like year and a half I've seen I went from seeing like North Carolina and South Carolina and I think Florida to like it's like over I think it's like 45 states that I've seen now maybe maybe more (laughs) it might be more than that I haven't counted in like since then but yeah it's it's been really cool. Um, I've gotten to eat a lot of really good food. Um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So, when, so did you go to school for photography, or was this just a hobby that you picked up and then you just kind of like worked your magic to get to where you're at now? Because it sounded like you just kind of picked it up about three years ago. Is that right? Did I hear that yeah. right? Or, yeah. That's crazy that you've that you've only been doing this for three years and you've already like people that have shot f- photos for their whole life would probably dream to be able to shoot photos at the Ryman of concerts like that and then you know so you picked up a camera three years ago I guess did you did you envision that it would take you to where it's at now and then also how did you how did you get to the point where your skills were good enough that these artists are wanting you to be on their tour with them? Um. So. Um. Yeah, so whenever I picked it up, I definitely didn't think that I would be taking pictures around the United States. Um, I originally picked it up. I used to take pictures on my uh, iPhone, like, 4 and then my iPhone 5. And I just remember I really liked using it. And then um, I would go to uh, Visco and um, edit them on Visco. um, And I just remember enjoying that, getting, like, different perspectives and everything. 
And then one of my best friends growing up, uh, his name is Joseph. Um, he, me and him used to take his GoPro and um, make like little videos of us hiking and stuff like that. And so like, I always like loved it, but I just never had a camera to actually use. And so um, whenever I was able to get a camera, um, I just like, I just like took as many pictures as possible. Um, we had the school that I went to, um, oh yeah, to answer your question, I didn't go to school for photography. Um, I went for marketing. Okay. Um, so everything involving photography, I've learned from um, just, at first it was YouTube because YouTube taught me how to use my camera and how to yeah. like, how to download, export, do all those things. And then after that, it just became me doing it over and over and over again until I created a style that was my own and it wasn't copying anybody else's. Um, and so that's kind of where it started at was um, YouTube. And then it just kind of grew into doing it over and over and over again. And then, you know, there were times where I'd, I would edit pictures and I'd be like, that is trash. Let me try <laughs> this again. And so then I'd try it again, try it again. And eventually it became um, what it is now. And even now I can see it it changes every so often. Um, and so like, I can see that in my own work looking back now. Um, but I definitely did not think that I would be where I'm at um, for it. Um, there's been a lot of success, a lot of failure, a lot of things that I wanted to happen that didn't happen. Um, and like with tours and stuff, you know, you message people, people message you, sometimes things work out, sometimes they don't. Um, and so I just like learned to just like keep pushing through with it, um, keep doing what you love and taking pictures. Um, and I do video a little bit, not much, just because the camera that I have is the camera that I have, like all of my gear together is probably like $900. Um, it's not very, very good gear. I just don't really want to buy a new camera right now just for, you know, paying for school and all that. I just, I don't want to buy a new one, you know, right now. And so that's why I don't have like, I don't have pro gear. I have very beginner gear. Um, yeah. But it, it's just about, like, how you edit the pictures, how you use the light that is available. Um, and so, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Um, if, if you would have told me, like, years ago, you know, whenever I first picked it up that, you know, I would be able to go to Nashville and take pictures for people and make money off of it. And even if – to do it for free, if you would have told me that, I, I still probably wouldn't have believed you. Um, but it's been it's been great. I love it. <laughs> That's awesome, and I, I think it's really cool. You know, just the idea that like you don't have to be a pro, like an expert on something. That you can pick up a hobby, and you really don't know where it's going to take you. Like for me, like I'm doing this podcast just kind of out of fun. Like I was a journalist before I became a teacher, and then now I'm writing a book, but like this is kind of a like a hobby for mine and I don't really know a whole lot about like sound and audio editing like I just kind of yeah. my my whole idea is like I think kind of the same thing you do because your your motto on your website is tell your story and like for me that's mm -hmm. like what I like to do is just to allow people to tell their story and to help people tell their story as well and I think it's really cool that like you didn't go to school to be a photographer you just kind of were like man I'm interested in this and then at that point you just kind of hustled and like put yourself out there and you know the worst people could say is no like now nah, we don't really want you to come around but you're just like hey i shot these photos what do you think and then everybody's kind of like hey yeah actually i really like those so <laughs> i mean that's kind of my next question because you know i think there's a lot of people that might be scared to take a chance and i've talked to quite a few people on this podcast about this you know there's quite a few people that might be scared to take a chance on something but 
you seemed like it was pretty fearless where you're just kind of like, Hey, I'm going to reach out to this person and see, like, like you said that you sent a bunch of emails and then you finally got some emails back. I mean, what was that process like for you? I, spe- I guess, especially when you look at it kind of through the lens of like a faith lens, cause it is kind of a, you mm-hmm. have to have faith that like, you know, you're in school. And then if you're, if you're trying to put your name out there to go shoot concerts around the country, that's a, you, I mean, you may have had to drop out of school for a little bit to go shoot these photos and be away from your family. So, I mean, there's a, a lot of things to consider rather than just chasing a dream. So I guess what was your thought process like during that season of your life when you were saying, Hey, I kind of want to, I kind of want to do this a little bit more full time. Yeah. So it was like, luckily at first it worked out to where, um, it was over the summer. So I wasn't in school at that moment for the first tour. Um, but it definitely was. I definitely, I wasn't afraid um, of anything. I don't think I, it was more of, um, at first I was just like, okay, worst they can say is no, send an email. Worst they can say is no, send an email. I would just keep sending them. And then as time went on, you know, I didn't get any emails back, emails back. And then my friend Joseph would always, I would call him and tell him like, you know, hey, you know, I sent more emails, but nobody's responding. And I would start feeling like down, like, I would doubt myself, my work, and um, he would just be like, dude, it'll come. You just got to, you know, you just got to keep putting in the work, keep reaching out. It'll work, it'll work, it'll work. And so finally, um, that's whenever I got the first tour with Sidewalk Profit. Um, but it, it's definitely, it's something that you do have to have faith in before you, because if you don't have faith in your work and, you know, what, what talent or like blessing that you've been given, then nobody else is going to believe in it. Um, and so that's kind of the way that I looked at it. Um, and also, you know, doing that gave me a little bit of like a, like a visual way of, you know, showing how, as you know, for, for my life, it's been, it's been crazy how um, God used me in like all of this and how he's, you know, showed me parts of the world and showed me friends that I never thought I would have. Um, and so I would say that the whole, like the tell your story thing, um, for me, that's like a, that's a big deal. That's something that I hold close to my heart too, because uh, I make stickers, um, on my, I have a website and then I have a store that I sell sweaters, um, t-shirts and then some stickers on as well as like prints and stuff. Um, and so like the stickers, um, I made my first batch of stickers whenever like I designed them when I was sitting in one of my classes um and they just said tell your story on them and it was like a mountain range the Blue Ridge Mountains that I took a picture of and I made it into like a Polaroid um that's cool and yeah and what I used them for was to like whenever I would go out on the road and stuff um I sold them at first and then after I sold them um and it kind of died down and you know nobody was really buying them anymore um I had like 50 left over and so that was about the time that I went on the uh, road with uh, Ben. And so I, what I would do is like, I gave Ben some stickers. I gave, um, you know, every single person on the band, I gave him a few stickers. I gave uh, opening band stickers. Um, <clears throat> and then like, whenever I'd be walking around <clears throat> before the show, there'd be security guards or like uh, people picking up um, trash after the show, like whatever. And I'll give them a sticker just you know something to remind them to like tell your story because at the end of the day you don't know what what somebody's going through they might seem perfectly fine but at home they may be going through a divorce their family member maybe has 
cancer or maybe they're you know one of their parents passed away or you never know what somebody's going through and so um that's kind of I made those as a reminder to be kind and remember that everybody has their own story um and so that's kind of what I use the whole tell your story thing for um and it's it's been cool I've I've enjoyed it um and it's definitely like there's times where I get like nervous and I'm like okay is this like the right decision am I going the right way and then something will happen I'm like yeah like I'm being used for this purpose and um but it's really cool I've enjoyed it do you have any more of those stickers left or are you all sold out of them oh I have plenty okay I was I say, I'm gonna have to get one now I like that idea I love those that's, <laughs> that's cool um yeah I just yeah. need like 60 more so okay cool um yeah. Like I just I love all these stories and just about like that alone, but then also just the stories you're telling about these guys like on tour with them. And I, I love talking to photographers because you see the world in a way that most people can't. You know, that's the that's the beauty of a photographer. A lot of people they misunderstand photographers and they think that all they're doing is pressing a button and there is so much more to it. And I going through journalism school, I was a writer. And Mm -hmm. when I went into journalism school as a freshman, that was something that I was guilty of thinking like, oh, photographers, they just press a button. Then I sat Mm -hmm. through a photography class and I realized, holy cow, there is so much more to this that I never knew. And then whenever I was a teacher, I was a yearbook teacher and I tried to teach my kids how to use a camera. And I had to teach myself kind of like you did, like watching YouTube videos, all that kind of stuff. And there's so much more to it because it's not just, it's not even just knowing how to use the camera, but visually you got to be able like you said to look out at the Ryman and say like what in here is going to make a good image like you know maybe there's a you know people that are like their hands are raised singing a song and then you can create a frame through that somehow like I just think it's awesome like that this art of photography and I guess kind of a two-part question is you know what what have you seen I guess from your eyes at these shows that maybe the average person doesn't see and then on top of that like just in terms of like the artists themselves too. I mean, you get to be around them behind stage and on the tour bus or whatever. I mean, what are some things that like, you know, our fans don't typically see in a show that like as a photographer, you kind of get to see a little bit more into their lives that we don't. Yeah. So, um, I guess like the first question, um, like how do, how do I see the the show, I guess through. Yeah. Cause like we're so all, I- you- we're just kind of facing the stage and singing along and it's like you're moving yeah. around different parts of the of the of the of the room trying to get different shots and that kind of stuff so you see the concert completely different than we do yeah i'd say for me it depends on the amount like if it's the first show i'm doing with them because like every so often there'll be a time where i do a show with one artist for one show and that's it and so i don't know how their show is and so with that one usually um i'll sit for like the first song I'll kind of like sit there and try to capture some stuff and then I'll just kind of like listen and kind of like feel it out and see how it's going to go and then um I typically try to get like different sections to like try to get something close try to get something far away um and then it honestly just depends on how the show's going um typically if you're at a show that's more like energetic then you want to get like you know very energetic looking shots like wider shots or like get up close to like the action, try to get there at the fan spaces or whatever you want to do. Um, but the way that I look at it, um, like if I've done the show before, especially doing a tour, you know, you do the same show every single night. Um, and it's like, 
I guess I already know the show well. And so I'll usually sit there for the first like song. If I'll sit there until there's a point where I know something is, that I want to take a picture of. And I'm like, okay, three, two, one. And then I'll like focus my camera in, take a picture. And I don't like, I would say the typical amount for people whenever they do shows, they'll take anywhere from like 500 to like 2000 or 3000 pictures in a show. Um, but I usually like the most I've taken in a show has been like two, 300. Um, okay. Because instead of just like holding it down and clicking it, I just kind of like take it slow. And that's like every photographer who does music has their own way of going about it. People just like to, you know, hold it down and try to get that one image and then, you know, wait a little bit, do the same thing. But I just kind of wait, 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 take a picture, wait, 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 take a picture. That's kind of how I do it. Um, and then I know, like, this is the time when the lights are going to turn on for the crowd, so I need to be over here to get a crowd photo. And then I don't want to take the same pictures every night, so then I'll use um, something like um, an object that I can kind of put in the in the way to make it have, have more, like, depth, I guess, to the picture. Um, yeah. So, like, one night I might take a crowd picture from the side. Next night it might be from behind, facing towards the crowd. The next night it might be from the crowd looking in, um, just different ways of looking at it. Um, and then, so that's kind of, you know, the way I look at it. Um, that's cool. And it's one of my, another thing that I like to do, um, especially like working with um, Drew and Ben, you know, they have uh, a lot of, or not a lot, but like love songs that they write. And so right. um, I'll try to get like a couple dancing together, um, like holding each other, or, like, you know, and so I kind of like aim for that too, because that describes that night. I want it to be a picture. So whenever they use it for social media or whatever they end up using, I want people to be able to go back and look. And um, even if they weren't at the show, feel like they were at the show. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of what I aim for, for each night. Um, and so that it's different every night because it is a different city, different crowd. Um, some crowds are way, are way more energetic than other crowds. Um, <laughs> some crowds would rather sit down and enjoy it. Some crowds would rather jump around. Um, it's, it's also different every night. Um, and so, yeah, so that's how I look at it from that lens. As far as, you know, backstage, the artists and everything on the bus, um, you know, you get to see all the funny moments because, you know, they have in-ears in. So whenever people are in the front row, like, screaming, like, you know, hey, Ben, my sister's brother knows you or something, like, whatever. Um, yeah. It's funny because, like, I can hear all of that, but they can't. And so yeah. that's, that's funny to be able to see that. And then whenever they come off stage and then if it's, like, a really, like, hyped up show and they have so much energy, they come off and they're just like, yeah, like, everybody's freaking out. But if it's, like, a show that was, you know, didn't go really well and they're just like, this is what we need to work on. Like, everybody that I've worked with is so professional. Like, they, they will come off the stage and Im immediately start talking, like, this is what we need to work on for the next show. This is, like, this is how this went. This is how this went. We need to work on this. Like, and then they'll, you know, praise each other. Like, you did really well in this. Like, you were feeling it. And they encourage each other. Um, and so that's, like, really cool to see that, too. Um, and then another side of it is, like, you know, as, you know, whenever fans, they come up to these artists and, um it's like it might be their first time and their only time ever meeting them and they'll come up and you know some people will you know say really heavy things like you know my my 
dad passed away last year and he used to love your music and like that's really heavy for some of them and so like that yeah. weighs on them you know um and so like i've gotten to see that side of it um there's a lot of funny like awkward moments whenever they're doing meet and greets and some like some fans will come up and they won't say anything they'll just come up get the picture and then like <laughs> leave and will not say a word and then there's others who are like they try to carry on like an hour-long conversation and yeah. and then whenever you get on the bus playing uh whenever i was with ben we played rocket league a lot um and so that was really cool um so i don't know there's just whenever i was with drew we watched a lot of movies and we just talked a lot um they had dance parties sometimes <laughs> um <laughs> and so yeah every everybody's different um but it's been it's been really cool and it's really cool to see how you know every every crowd is doing and the fans a lot of times they don't think that the people who are up there playing notice them but like they will notice things that they're doing throughout the night and it's hilarious <laughs> yeah the, the show that we went to in nashville it was i think it was september we went to a show at the ryman it was drew holcomb um and uh there was we were sitting up in the balcony my wife and i were and you know, like, like you said, every show is different, and we've been to, I don't know how many Drew Holcomb shows now, and uh, this, there was this crowd of, like, I don't want to say older, but they, they had to have been at least in their 50s, but they were in the front row, right up next to Drew, and they were just, like, losing their minds, because they were at a Drew Holcomb <laughs> show, and he, you know, you know, he tells a lot of stories during his show, and he was really trying to tell this story, and these people, like, just would not stop, like, fawning over him, and they were, like, like sitting on the stage, like, you know, not sitting on the stage, but they were like leaning on the stage and like just looking up at him and like slapping the stage during songs. And he literally had to tell them to calm down during the show. He was like, no, seriously, guys, like I'm, I'm trying to tell a story. So it is funny, like you know, the, the artists, the artists do notice the fans sometimes, especially whenever they're doing something funny like that. So yeah, that's cool. It's just, it's yeah. awesome to hear like these guys, like just they're just cool guys, like kind of like what we imagine them being. And, you know, just yeah. hearing that actually genuine guys i got i got the chance to meet ben at a meet and greet a few years ago uh, my wife and i went to a show in nashville at the ascend amphitheater and yeah like you said we tried not to hold up the line and talk to him for a long time because there's a bunch of people there but like i think he mentioned there that like one time there was somebody that proposed at a meet and greet like in front of him oh wow and like he just was like i don't know what to do with this <laughs> so like, i can only i can only imagine the uh like the stories that some of these artists have from their fans, because some people are just crazy. Like I, you, you would, I, I, I probably wouldn't believe some of the things that, that have happened to some of these oh, artists. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> well, kind of shifting gears here a little bit. Um, you know, you and I were talking last week, and I know you mentioned that you lost your mother, and I lost my mom when I was 14. And uh, you posted this really cool tribute. Uh, it was called 38, and I just thought I'd give you the chance, kind of explain what was your like what was the idea behind that and and what did the 38 stand for in that video yeah yeah so um my mom was 38 whenever she passed away um and actually her birthday was yesterday and she would have been 39 um so she she missed being 39 by about a week and a day and so um basically i made that she was always one of my biggest supporters with um photos you know starting out a lot of people don't think you know you can make a living doing it and it is really slow sometimes uh, you just have to it's working your way building your client base and you know stuff like that but 
she was has always been a big supporter of that um and she loved the pictures she always wanted me to send her pictures anytime I took them um I'll talk to her a good bit about it um and so yeah I, I made that video um because the way that I thought about um you know her passing away I'm not a big you know post on social media and say hey my mom died like yeah. that sort of thing I don't I don't I just don't see you know the like why I need to do that um yeah. especially for the way that I grieve um some people with their way of grieving is you know you know post about it talk to people um but the way that I was you know I guess I grieved it um was just to make something that is visual that um I know she would have really enjoyed um and so I tried my best to do that um and I named it 38 um just because that's how old she was um uh, I used a um at the beginning of the video I used an actual voicemail um that she left me um that's something that I've done since I was in like middle school uh, anytime somebody that's like special to me leaves me a voicemail I usually save it um, yeah and that was before I even knew I did photo and video stuff. I just kind of did it just to have as a memory, you know. Um, yeah. And I remember I, was, I started making that video, and it started to come together a little bit. Um, and I took it, I think it was like the 21st, I edit, or I took the video at one of the parks near my house. Um, and I was like, okay, I'll edit this tomorrow and everything. And then I opened up my computer at like 1130, or no, it was like 10 o'clock that night. And... I opened it up and I started editing it and I was like, and I already knew which song I was going to pick. It was a song by Hillsong Young and Free um, called Stayla 2. And I had heard it and I was like, okay, I'm probably going to use this. And so I put parts of the video together and then put the song in there and then kind of clipped the video clips together, um, added some text and everything. And then I was like, oh, this is missing something. Like, what is it missing? And then I was just thinking like, okay, Billy Graham, I want something that can encourage other people, you know, just in case they're thinking about something or if they need to know about Jesus. And so then I was like, okay. And so, you know, the one of the, you know, the gospel summed up is, you know, for God to love the world. And so um, I tried to include the Billy Graham clip in there um, just so that was in, to offer encouragement through that because I, yeah. you know, just in case people did see the video. And then at the beginning of that, I wanted it to be something personal. So I added her voicemail to it. Um, but yeah, my mom, um, so like I said earlier, I moved in with my grandmother when I was five. Um, and so like my parents both struggled with uh, alcohol and, you know, drug abuse. Um, but you know, they've both gotten better um, over the years and everything. And my mom had been clean for a good, good little while. Um, but she had a lot of kidney and liver issues. Um, mm -hmm. And so she went to Nebraska um, and she was staying there at a, like a shit, like a home, I guess. Um, and yeah. while she was, while she was there, um, it just became more and more like liver issues. She struggled a lot with depression too. And so I would, you know, talk her through that. Um, and then it was, I think it was like two days before she died. Um, she was, she was like in a lot of pain, um, like physically. And you could tell, like she had talked to somebody and they said that, um, she had like three to five days to live. Um, and so she was, um, trying to get away to come back home. Um, but unfortunately it was like, so 
two days before she died, I got her a hotel room in Iowa, which was about 15 minutes from Omaha. <clears throat> and so she went and stayed in that hotel that night. Um, she was bleeding a little bit and stuff. Um, and so the next day um, I talked to her, which was um, she died. We believe that she died sometime the night of the 15th of January to the 16th in the morning. Um, and so I talked to her on the um, 15th at like three in the afternoon and the last conversation um, that I had with her was about heaven um, and you know what it's going to be like or what I think it's going to be like but I was like at, at the end of the day you're not going to know until you get there um, fully and so I got to talk to her a lot about um, Jesus and I sent her a lot of those stickers that say tell your story to give to other people and um, ever since I started making them she's been giving them out whenever she goes because she was homeless for like the past like 10 years um, going to different places, staying with us, like, and so she just struggled a lot with that, um, but anytime she would go places, she would hand out these stickers to people and tell them, you know, this is what Taylor's story means, this is what Taylor's story means, and so, um, yeah, she was, you know, it wasn't like the traditional, like, mom and dad growing up sort of thing, um, but she was always very supportive of me, um, and for me, um, the way that I grieve things, I guess, is not, I don't cry a lot, um, it's more of, you know, just, I know that she went to heaven just because of the conversations that I've had with her over the past few months. And mm -hmm. so it's not more of like a, you know, I'm so sad you're going. It's like, I'm so happy that you get to see Jesus now. And so, um, through that, that's why it's like, I guess I'm not super, you know, down about it because it is like, you know, she's in a better place. Um, we were on great terms, um nothing bad was in between us um so yeah that my mom was a she struggled a lot she was sad a decent amount um but she also was very joyful um she was really good at english she could write really well um she was very creative uh she sent me like a little box that, that she made and you open it up and it had like little hearts cut out and it was like smart loving godly man like and so like she was really creative um but yeah, she was, she was great. Um, but yeah, it's obviously, you know, a parent or anybody in your family passing away is not ideal. It sucks sometimes. Um, but that's a part of life and that's something that we have to deal with. Um, and, so, but yeah, she was a great person. I, there's a lot of similarities, you know, my, my mom suffered from lupus and she, she suffered from alcoholism a lot in her life too, but her main reason for dying, I mean, she smoked a lot and then had lupus. And so, um, okay. she was told that she had about a year left to live and then it wasn't a month later that she passed away. Oh, wow. And I was like, I was like 14. Um, but yeah, like there's kind of a comfort in knowing that like, you know, they're not, uh, they're not suffering anymore. And that's mm -hmm. kind of what always prepared, you know, propelled me through that grief. And I was, I was so young that I think even at that point, like death felt so far away, even though I was at my mom's yeah. side when she died, it still was one of those weird things where it was like, death feels so far away. And then as we get older, you know, death becomes such a more complicated concept. And, um, that's something that I've struggled through whenever I've lost other people in my life. And I just, I think it like just hearing this, this idea of like, tell your story because like that, that phrase alone has always been something important to me just because like I view myself as a storyteller and mm -hmm. uh, a big, a big thing that I don't want to say this was the only thing, but like I struggled for a long time to decide whether or not to write the book that I'm writing. The book that I'm writing actually comes out of the tragic loss of 
my biggest faith mentor and he was killed by a drunk driver. And like, that was like, I talk about kind of my my progression of dealing through death. And like, that was the big thing where it was like, man, tragedies happen and they're real. And that's the first time it really happened to me. And, and then I struggled for a long time. Like, no, nobody would read this book. Like I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't have a, a Bible degree or anything. And this uh, it was actually the high school pastor at my home church in Indiana. Um, I was helping out one night with the youth group and he was preaching and he kept saying the phrase, break out of your shell because you have a story to tell. And he was talking to the kids. But to me, I was like, that hits me really deep. Like, you, every, like we all have a story to tell. And yeah. I just think it's so cool that like that this little mission of like, here's a sticker. It's not just a sticker. There's a story behind it. So I really hope people that are listening to this will go to your website and I'll put a link in my, in the show description so they, so they can know where to go and buy it. Cause I definitely already want one. Cause I think that the mission is so cool. And the fact, the, the fact that your mom was like sharing those around and telling people what it meant as well. I think that's got to give you some comfort to know, like she understood what faith in Jesus was, you know, what this means. And uh, I think it's cool just like the hearing your bond with her and uh, everybody grieves differently, like you said, and, you know, there's no right or wrong way to grieve and, you know, everybody does it differently. And, you know, um, you're, you're handling, you're handling a lot better than a lot of people, would, which is, which is really cool. So, I mean, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess creatively, you know, whenever you put that video together, um, I, I get the sense that like, being creative is, is how you kind of release your emotions and how you grieve and that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, um, how did you, you kind of walked through this a little bit earlier, but you know, how, how did that idea come to you? Like, you know, this is how, like, you're like, I'm not really open on social media about grieving. I don't really want to do that, but I just want to create this project and, you know, creatively, how did that idea come to you and, uh, to where you felt like that was the right thing to do? Yeah. So I'm trying to think, I think, so after it happened, I remember because I was the first one to find out because um, I called her phone and the police answered and told me that they found her. Um, and so at first, whenever I found out, I was just like, hmm, wow. And so I just like thought about it, you know, called some people, told them. And then my little brother um, was supposed to go on a winter retreat with me and um, he wasn't like my little brother had been, he's been coming to church, you know, here and there, but not like, you know, super often. And, um, so, and I love him a lot. And so I always want him to come as often as possible, um, and have a relationship with Jesus. And so, um, whenever I found out, I was just like very distraught, but I was like, definitely still going to go on this winter retreat, um, just so that my little brother can go. And so I can kind of, get away and just enjoy it and, you know, see people brought to Jesus and all this. And so um, we go on the winter retreat and the first night um, Rush of Fools was playing. Um, and then a guy named Jonathan Evans was speaking. And then the next morning Kanye came and spoke or not, wow. spoke, but did his Sunday service. Um, and then that night uh, Hill filming and free was, um, playing yeah. and so that Sunday night before Hillsong Young and Free got on um there was a speaker I cannot remember his name right now um but he he's the guy who started um the strength stand conference um and okay. he was speaking about depression a lot and um my little brother uh was sitting beside me and then there was a guy named Colby sitting on his other side and he was the leader and um we were just sitting there like 
um, whenever he was talking about everybody come down to accept Jesus, and me and him both were, like, praying for him. And my little brother uh, walked down, and he received Christ that night. And then, um, wow. He, and then, yeah, so that was, like, a that was really cool to see, you know, because if, if I would just, would have decided not to go on the winter retreat, you know, would, it, would things have been different, you know? And so all of that happened, and I remember um, whenever we got back, it was a long drive. And I was, like, really tired. Um, we got back home, and um, I went to sleep that night. And the next morning, I woke up. And I was just thinking, and I was like, like, I want to create something. And, like, as I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, so her birthday's coming up. She's going to be 39. Um, I don't want to make it super, you know, detailed. Like, my mom was this. She did this. But, like, I wanted it to be short, simple, and let the video tell the story. And so I was like, okay, 38, that's how old she was when she died. She lived, a, she was on there for 38 years. Let me do that. And so that's why I named it 38. And then um, I started um, taking some video of this place called Riverwalk, um, which is where I live at. Um, it's on the Catawba River um, because me and her used to go there some and like walk around and um, just enjoy time together. Um, because she really enjoyed, like, spending time with me, because I'm her oldest, um, I get her oldest child, um, and so I went there and took some video, because I knew that was special to her. I took some video at a, other, a few other places, but I ended up not using it, the video, um, and so that's kind of how it came along, and then while I was editing it, like I said earlier, um, the voicemail came along, and then Billy Graham um, came along, and by the end of it, I was like, you know, I, I enjoyed the way it turned out. That's awesome, dude. I, I love that. I love I love hearing, like I told you earlier, I love hearing people's processes and like how they come up with stuff like that. And you, you kind of already hit on this, I think a little bit, but one of the questions I always like to ask my guests and I have them on is, you know, what they have learned about Jesus. And you can think about, I guess, usually ask them to think about some sort of a benchmark in time. So like, I don't know if you want to think like the last five years, five years of your life or just kind of lately, but like basically the question is, you know, what have you learned about God lately and Jesus lately and, you know, Christ's love for us lately that um, maybe you didn't know before this season of your life? And I guess you kind of maybe use the the benchmark of, you know, your mom was kind of going through health struggles and you knew that her time might be coming to an end here. But I guess when in the last season of your life, however you define that, what have you learned about God? Yeah, I would say, like, the last season, as in, like, you know, the past few years um, has been patient, um, and that's just been very important to me because, every, you know, the things that I do in life with photo stuff, um, with life in general, um, it all comes down to patience and just trusting God that, um, you know, whatever your life ends up looking like, whatever it is, um, it's not going to be the way that you want it. It's going to be the way that he wants it. And so, um, yeah, I would say patience has been that. And, um, you know, the whole tell your story thing, and that kind of goes along with it. So, you know, if you meet somebody, don't just assume anything. Talk to them, you know, find out what their story is. If a lot of time, you know, you can't always, you know, talk to somebody for an hour. You may be even literally a smile walking past somebody can make people's day sometimes or just saying hello. Um, because like my mom was, she was homeless for years and years. And so, um, 
like if, if I'll see a homeless per- person whenever I'm walking, literally just say, hey, you don't you don't have to stop and give them money if you can't, like anything like that. If you just tell them, hey, they probably haven't had somebody speak to them in a long time. And yeah. so like literally just saying hello, like how are you doing today? Even if you can't give them money, if they, you know, whatever the situation is, but just being patient with people. Um, I've learned a lot about that. I would say patience is the biggest thing this past these past few years for me. That's awesome. That's really cool. And I, I definitely like, I know that I have a heart for homeless people and I don't know if it's just like the human nature of like you, you drive past and like they're, they're saying like, I'm in need of something. And I think there's just something that like, if we have any empathy in us, it tugs on us. And I can't always give people money just because I don't, I rarely carry cash on me. But I mean, a lot of times if I can help it, like I will, if I can help it, I will go and buy like a sandwich and some water and drive back to them and just say, Hey, like here's some food. And like, I, I remember being out with some friends one, one time, uh, in downtown and in, in my city in Evansville where I used to live and walked out to my car and it was a really cold night. And I looked over before I got in my car and there was just a homeless person sleeping underneath like the awning of a business and like no covers or anything. And I was just like, this breaks my heart because mm-hmm. like I, there's, there's no, there's, sometimes you feel really helpless and like I went and like bought them some food and some water and like they were still sleeping, but I just laid it down next to them. And I was like, this person just needs something. And like, it really tore me up. I don't know if you've ever been to Portland, Oregon, but I have never seen more homeless people concentrated in a town than I did in Portland, Oregon. I mean, it was like neighborhoods of like, like underneath overpasses and interstates. I mean, it was like 50 to a hundred, if not more, just gathered there on every overpass. And I'm just like, I've been to LA, I've been to Chicago, I've been to New York. I've never seen this many people that are homeless gathered. And like, that was a couple of years ago when my wife and I went on that trip and I told her, I said, like, if I ever, you know, like I I was at, even at that point, I was kind of starting to write my book that I'm writing. And I'm like, if I ever make it, which I can do it if I'm not successful or not, but like, I definitely, if I, if I'm successful as a writer or anything, and like, I have a platform, like, I told her, I was like, I want to be able to use that to like help homeless people because I just, I, I don't know, like hearing your story about that too, like you just, just say hey to them. Like just, you don't have to mm-hmm. give them something. Just, yeah, like they may not have anybody to interact with and just say hey and like treat them like they're humans. And like, you know, I think anytime that there's a tragedy, like for instance, like, you know, Kobe Bryant just passing away, like it, it, it yeah. rattles our whole country. And uh, it, we kind of start to think like we are all just humans. Like even him who like, we think he's larger than life. He's a superhero. Well, like we're all humans and we're all mortal people and we can, we can all treat people nicely and treat them like humans. So I, I think that's really yeah. cool that you like, yeah, just, yeah, just treat people nicely. So uh, <laughs> the last question that I always like to ask people to uh, the, the show is called in no hurry. And so I kind of, the idea behind that was, you know, everybody is moving constantly in their life at a million miles an hour and, people claim to not have any time to slow down and relax and have any fun. And the whole premise of the show is kind of like, you know, in life, we need to have that where we can kind of have balance and maintain, you know, the structure in our life and create some fun opportunities in our lives. So even though you stay pretty busy with school and photography, what do you do to kind of relax and just kind of make sure that your life isn't always going in a crazy manner? Yeah. Um, I'd say, I enjoy, you know, going on, like, little walks and stuff. I enjoy spending time with friends. Um, I go over to – I have a friend named Austin. I go over to his house a lot. Uh, He was just married um, not too long ago. Um, 
like spending time with them um just anything like that i'm i just enjoy spending time with people in general um it's it's enjoy or it's enjoyable it's fun for me um i i really like to go hiking i don't like to hike far i don't like to hike you know like five or ten miles i like to do a quick <laughs> two mile one you're near the blue ridge mountains though you got to get up there i know i know i go to like there's a place called graveyard fields um and it's it's like a 0.7 mile hike and it there's this really nice waterfall that's really cool because i don't have to walk that far I still get a little bit of exercise in there, and then I can set my Eno up, bring a snack, kind of hang out. Um, I like doing that. Just anything like that, spending time. I like. Uh, I really like to go out into like Charlotte or um, anything like that, and just like take pictures of every if anything. I guess. Whenever I was in New York for the show with Drew, um, I had about two hours of free time, and so I just went out and um, just took some like street pictures. Um, that's just really. It's really therapeutic for me to just go out and just take photos. It doesn't have to be, you know, I need to take pictures of this hat for this company, but let me just go out and take some pictures this time. Um, and it's really cool. And I usually put the prints out for them just in case anybody wants them, they can have them. But if not, it's totally fun too. Um, yeah. But yeah, just a mixture of all of those things I enjoy doing. Awesome. Well, Jordan, thank you so much, dude, for, for sharing your story, telling your own story. And uh, it's cool to kind of live vicariously through you with all these stories about the artists that so many people like and, you know, get to see their concerts and all that kind of stuff. And you get kind of a cool view into their life and all that kind of stuff. So thank you so much, dude, for sharing all this. It was cool to talk to you and get to know you a little bit and hear your own story. So, yeah, thanks for joining me, dude. Thank, thank you. Oh man, that was so much fun just to hear stories about some of my favorite artists. And I know that some of the people that listen also listen to those same people. And so I hope you guys enjoyed hearing the stories about uh, some of our favorite artists and just kind of about Jordan and who he is as a person and a photographer. I really loved the mission behind his brand, Tell Your Story. And I will have a link in the show notes if you want to check his shop out and buy any of those products. I also have links there for his social media. Definitely follow him on Instagram because he posts photos from the shows that he shoots photos of, and they're awesome. Um, I It was crazy to think that he was at the same show as I was whenever we saw Drew Holcomb back in the fall, but um, his stuff is just awesome, and I'm really thankful that I got the chance to talk to him and in his own words, let him tell his story. So I really enjoyed that, and if you guys want to check out his website, I'll also have a link to that in the show notes. Make sure that you give him a follow, reach out, let him know that you enjoyed hearing him on this podcast. And if you guys need me at all, you can email me in no hurry at coleclayborn.com or you can follow me. I'll have the links to all of my social media in the show notes as well. But thank you guys for listening. I hope you find some time this week to relax and not be in a hurry. And we'll see you next week.